Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I will have Edgar Munoz, who's the CEO of Aeronide, a drone-as-a-service company, and we'll be talking all about what it takes to uh, use drones effectively, especially in light of things like the PG&E wildfires. Uh, I'll also be talking about centralized versus decentralized crypto exchanges and how to keep yourself safe. So don't go away. In this week's tech news, it was reported that one of an artificial intelligence company backed by Elon Musk, they self uh, shut down the ability for people to find out how they did it, but it's called a fake news text generator. So what it was is the ability for a human to write the initial parts of a news story, let's call it five paragraphs, and then allowing the AI or a robot to write the next 15 paragraphs. And it was something completely crazy like, do unicorns exist? But in terms of the copy that was written, totally believable. So the developers of this technology felt it could be used in the wrong hands. And so for the time being, they will not allow their technology to be used by others. If you were affected by the Wendy's data breach several years ago, uh, Wendy's has settled with the banks and the total amount of money in the settlement is $50 million. So as an individual, if you were affected by um, your credit card or uh, overdraft fees, et cetera, you can Google Wendy's settlement and see how you can participate in that. Google apologized for never disclosing that the Nest thermostats certain ones had built-in microphones. It wasn't in the product literature. It wasn't in the description. Uh, Google said it was a complete oversight, that they are sorry. And some people are skeptics just because a similar thing happened with Google Street Maps a few years earlier in which uh, Google Street Maps was using local Wi-Fi and actually intercepting things like personal data and email. In the final story this week, we had talked about the Apple FaceTime bug uh, a bug that this 14-year-old kid had discovered that if he was using the FaceTime feature and it, the group feature and calling forward, that even if you didn't pick up on the other end, you could start to hear the conversation. Um, his mom put him in for Apple's bug bounty program, which we've talked about last year in a couple of shows, what bug bounties are. And Apple has said that they are going to take care of him. Uh, I don't know. It hasn't been disclosed what the amount is. But the official bug bounty program for Apple is between $25,000 and $200,000 payout. And that's the tech news of the week. Welcome back. Again, I have Edgar Munoz, who's the CEO of Aeronide out in Florida. Hi, Edgar. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, Keith. How are you, sir? Good. So Edgar's a returning guest. Um, we did a show together a few months back when we were on a trade mission in China. Uh, we were talking about amidst trades and tariffs, um, how to actually do business in China. And 
Edgar's company, Aeronide, is really interesting because as much as we hear about drones, it's really drones as a service. So, Edgar, thanks again for being here. Thank you for having me, Keith. So, Edgar, what is Aeronide and what is drones as a service? Yeah, um, no problem. Well, Aeronide currently is a managed service provider aiming to help municipalities or large enterprises adopt the UAS, UAV drone technology um, in a safe and scalable way. UAS and and UAV stand for uh, unmanned aerial systems and unmanned aerial vehicles? Yes, correct. Correct. And, um, you know, the technology has been around for a few years now. There's a lot of different examples, a lot of different use cases. And, you know, what we look to do is really help guide these different government agencies and different enterprises to really define what they're looking to do, the use case for the UAV, so we can then define the operations and the missions and see if there's any regulations we may need to follow or waivers we may need to submit and push that forward for that business, for that government. Uh, Thanks. Help me understand a little bit more, right? I mean, I think most people think of drones. You get DJIs in the air, consumer drones. Why is this different or why is this so important when we talk about regulations? Yeah, I mean, as you know, a drone can do multiple different applications. Uh, Currently, one of the most popular ones is collecting imagery data. Um, You know, you've probably seen the DJI drones doing marketing videos. Um, You know, CNN uses them to do some news events, but really just to collect some type of data. Now, if you're an agency or uh, organization looking to adopt this technology, um, you know, there's different types of drones. Uh, and if you have certain requirements on data that you're collecting, some drones aren't capable of, you know, carrying those sensors for that actual application. So the difference between just, you know, going out there, buying a drone on your own um, and being sporadic about it versus, you know, hiring a professional company like Aeronide to provide that drone as a service for you. Um, it's a huge benefit for the client, for the government agency, because, you know, currently there's a lot of different regulations in the air. The FAA is working really hard with industry to really define um, the safe integration of this unmanned technology with manned aviation, firstly. And then secondly, you know, really create the standards and protocols for an unmanned traffic management system where drones from other entities, from other service providers, you know, are aware, situationally aware of each other in the national airspace. So, you know, currently the FAA has a program going on called the Low Altitude Authorization Notification Capability, where 500 different airports are part of this initiative with the FAA, and the FAA chose 14 different Supply, UAS suppliers, service suppliers, to actually partner with them to create a digital database to submit flight plans in controlled airspace. But if you're just, you know, a regular oil and gas company, if you're a huge electrical company, you're not really following the regulations. So you wouldn't really know if you're in controlled airspace or if you need these types of licensing. So for someone that's not really up and uh, listening to what's going on in the ecosystem, there's a lot going on right now. So it requires a lot of attention. So the drone as a service provider would really 
help navigate that for you and create a good implementation plan for you so you can use the technology in the best and most cost-effective way. Well, I, I totally see the benefits. It's very similar to the traditional IT industry, uh, managed services, servers. I think the nuance, though, is that, as you touched on, um, there are regulations involved, like the FAA. How many companies or municipalities, and I would guess municipalities are probably more aware than maybe a, a non government entity, that there are these regulations that exist. I mean, most people I talk to just buy a drone and start flying it. Um, how, are, how are they aware without somebody letting them know? How can they get that information? Well, the FAA, you know, the, everything's uh, posted on their website. Uh, and as I mentioned, so if, you, if you're following, you know, what the FAA releases, what the DOT releases, um, you know, there's the UAS integration pilot program, which came out off of an executive order back in 2017, where 10 you know, state entities and municipalities were chosen by the, to partner up with the DOT to start testing different use cases and application. Then the FAA came out with the low altitude and authorization notification capabilities to address the you know, problem with having commercial pilots who have their 107 commercial Hey, UAS Edgar, let's explain what the 107 is right when we get back. So you're listening to okay. Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo, joined with Edgar Munoz, CEO of Aeronide. Uh, any questions or comments about drones as a service, uh, email us at info at svi.biz. We'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined with Edgar Munoz, who's the CEO of Aeronide a managed service provider for drones. Thanks, Edgar, for being here. Thank you for having me, Keith. So this is a question I have. Uh, recently in the news, especially here in California, PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, uh, they're under intense scrutiny because of a lot of belief, allegedly, that their infrastructure is what caused some of the devastating fires uh, during the wildfires, both in Northern and Southern California. Uh, they were already on probation for a 2010 uh, disaster where a lot of people's homes got lost and, and people died. So the judge had ordered them after this latest set of wildfires and disasters to immediately inspect all of the utility poles. And both the PUC, Public Utilities Commission, and the head regulator in California for the utility and PG&E, it was all over the news here, had basically stated that it, unless they hired 20,000 new employees, it wouldn't really be feasible. And so they both said, so the, the regulators and pg said they'd be looking to drones to accomplish this task of inspecting all utility poles over time. And Edgar, since you are drone expert, what would it actually take to do that? Well, you know, it, it is much simpler to use a drone to inspect a power line, to inspect a cell tower, to inspect different types of critical infrastructure, uh, rather than having the human either A, climb up there, go on a machine, uh, you know, take a little longer time in evaluating the different types of inspection requirements that they have. So, you know, what it would take for a drone to do that? Firstly, going back to, you know, what we were talking off in the last segment, um, the Part 107, which is a commercial remote pilot's license that the FAA has, where you can take, go out there, take a exam, 
once you pass it and you have this you know, minimum air knowledge of the airspace and how to operate the UAS, you would actually go if the tower is in a controlled airspace that's under the LANS program, then you would have to submit your air, you know, your flight plan and make sure you can tell your altitude, you know, the purpose of the mission, the time of day. And once that's authorized, you'll go out there and depending if you want to get a three point cloud structure of the infrastructure, you would have a LIDAR sensor on the drone that will go up there, go around it, come back down. Or if you just want imagery data, you'll just have the drone fly around depending on whatever angles that is necessary for the report requirement. Um, if you want to look at heat signatures, you can put infrared camera on it. I mean, it, it really depends on what type of data you're looking to collect for what type of requirements you have for that inspection. So the UAV is very, is very versatile. I mean, you can put different payloads on it. There's examples out there with drones all with LiDAR sensors, with radar sensors, with different camera, hyperspectral imaging, I mean, um, it's really limitless in that, you know, in that sense. So um, it really would be for PG&E to define what they need to do, you know, and work with a, you know, managed service provider like Aeronide to come up with that data plan, to come up with that report generation plan. And then once that's all figured out, we can actually set the missions and go out and do it for them. All right. Well, thanks for the answer. So along with that answer, though, Edgar, uh, it still sounds like even if you're using drones as a service to solve for PG&E, there's still a lot of humans involved. I mean, wouldn't you still need visual line of sight? Meaning yes, that absolutely. somebody actually has to watch the drone and operate the drone? Currently, yes, um, the FAA requires line of sight. However, there are some waiver processes. The FAA has been known to have been granting more and more uh, beyond visual line of sight operations. Uh, and to do that, I mean, it's, it's pretty complex. You have to have your concept of operations. You have to have your system description requirements. You put out your performance-based standards and, you know, the fail-safes based on whatever waiver you're looking to get. For example, uh, 107.35 is, you know, flying with one pilot and multiple drones. And the FAA, you know, has some questions that they ask you, like, how would you do this operation? So, you know, that's really more meticulous. And, it really takes more of the subject matter expertise with FAA and of, with the operations of the units. But, uh, you know, we have, you know, we've been privately funded and we've done our own proof of concepts where we've done multiple UAVs monitoring off of our autonomous fleet management software and, you know, off of a centralized location off of LTE. So it is possible with the technology. Uh, it's just really making sure that you're doing it in, in a legal manner. So the FAA has been known to, if there's a solid plan, a solid um, mission definition, fail-safes that are written now, performance-based standards that are answered, uh, the FAA is pretty flexible in attempting to do these types of waivers. Um, but in the simplest of sense, of course, if you had one pilot controlling, let's say, 10 UAVs and doing 10 different areas of that power grid, it would be much more efficient than having one pilot with one drone going to a single post and doing it. It's, I mean, it still kind of goes with that, that worker resource uh, necessity. But, you know, the industry is getting there. There's more standards that are, are coming about, and the FAA is getting more and more data in. Um, but, yeah, that, that would be a huge benefit, is really understanding what the area of operation, what they're looking to get, 
and submitting those to the FAA for the waiver process. Well, that, that was another question I had because we, we talked in the first segment a little bit about the, all the regulations involved that many individuals and companies are just not even aware of. Uh, what? Mm-hmm. Who's leading right now? Is it the regulations are leading or is it the technology that's leading? Companies like Aeronide, um, who, who's moving forward first? You know, it's it's really a, it's it's a dance between both of them. Uh, you know, there are some areas where uh, the FAA has adopted a lot of uh, industry recommendations. For example, small UAV coalition, um, you know, it, which is an association really promoting safe and timely commercial use of small UAVs. Uh, you have members such as ourselves, uh, Intel, Wing, AirMap, um, and uh, Paladine Drones, and really different industry players coming in together to make the recommendations on the proposed rules, make the recommendations on different types of um, experiences that the industry has had. Uh, and the FAA is really acceptable to that. It's just it's a process. There's a lot of different uh, things that are involved with this technology. It's not just the operation. It's not just the aircraft. It's also the data that it's collecting, how you process that data. Um, there's a DOD element, a DOJ element. So there's all these different agencies at the top level that are looking in the best manner to integrate this technology, but also in the safest manner. So, um, you know, it's really a dance between the, uh, you know, the federal government and industry. But yeah. we are together really moving forward towards that goal. Yeah, thanks. I, I wanted to touch a little bit about about the small UAV or unmanned aerial vehicle coalition. Uh, we were originally scheduled to have Greg Walden, who is uh, one of the senior members of the small UAV coalition, leads that. And the former general counsel of the FAA, uh, he wasn't able to make this recording, so we'll have him on a future show. But that how important it is to tie uh, what industry is doing uh, with regulations. And if the regulation is not fully baked yet, who are the experts, um, somebody like Greg, who can actually help architect that for the safe operation of um, these UAV or drones? Uh, from what I know of the U- Small UAV Coalition, not just the companies you mentioned in the drone space, but also um, the major telcos in the United States and some of the um, yeah. other major players uh I don't know if I can mention them or not, but some of the largest tech companies in the world who have lots of uh, firepower behind drones um, in their own right. So I think it's all great. So when we get back, let's talk about the Small UAV Coalition a little bit more. Um, we'll talk okay. about how to engage with Aeronide. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svi.biz. And we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Today's show, I've been joined with Edgar Munoz, who's the CEO of Aeronide out of Florida. Aeronide provides managed services for drones. Welcome again, Edgar. Thank you. Thank you. So for this week's cyber tip, I want to talk about centralized and decentralized cryptocurrency exchanges. And I first want to give a shout out to my friend Louis Kuka, who runs 
the Ethereum Classic Labs Accelerator in San Francisco, where I was the moderator of a panel on this topic. So cryptocurrency exchanges are analogous to other types of investment exchanges. And as you know, I just want to make sure whether you're in cryptocurrency yet or not, how do you keep yourself safe? So in an essentialized exchange, something like uh, Bitfinex, Binance, Coinbase, you're allowing the exchange to trade on your behalf. You issue an order, it's fairly convenient, but just remember that you don't have full control. And we had talked about the Canadian exchange, Quadrica CX, where the founder allegedly passed away and he was the only holder of what's called a private keys for the entire wallet of the exchange. A decentralized exchange, there's really no single entity you can really go after. Just like Bitcoin in itself, it runs as a peer-to-peer network. The advantages are that you own your own private keys. You don't have to worry about giving it to somebody else. However, if you don't know what you're doing, you can easily lose your cryptocurrencies. Also, a decentralized exchange, you only trade crypto to crypto. You don't actually exchange fiat currencies such as a dollar or a euro. In a centralized exchange, you can convert your cryptocurrency into fiat and then from fiat back into cryptocurrency and then trade that way. The moral of this story really is before you get into any investment, know exactly what you need to do or get educated on it or find out more about it. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at info at svin.biz. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. So in our last segment, we were just starting to talk about an example of PG&E needing to use drones at scale to inspect all utility poles, or at least that's what was one of the responses the regulators had for them. Uh, We also started talking about for any company or city or municipality that they really need to be aware of the regulations of their jurisdiction. So the United States, the FAA. You're a member of the Small UAV Coalition, which had some pretty prominent companies um, who are members. Let's go into who's a part of that group. Yeah, no problem. I mean, the coalition is a partnership for safety and innovation. And, you know, we have members such as Verizon, T-Mobile, Amazon Prime Air, uh, Yamaha, and uh, Intel as well that, you know, we all work together and make our recommendations to and DOT on what we believe is, you know, from our industry perspective, from our industry experience, what is the best way of adopting some of these standards or some of these protocols that, for the operation of the drone, for the integration of that technology. Thanks. And what I like about the coalition is that in some cases you have competitors involved in this. And so it's really a group trying to assist the government in setting the right standards to keep the entire industry safe. That's what I like about it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity for, um, for like a startup like ourselves, uh, you know, sitting in a room with the, the big names and really coming together and really discussing the, the true issues that we find with the technology, with the regulations, and, you know, really advocating together uh, with the federal government on really the safest way to to utilize this technology. So let's talk about the practical application of that, right? So you're a municipality and you're you're listening to the show and you're thinking, wow, I, I really need to, or, or a company, um, how do I even know if I'm a good candidate to adopt drones into um, 
my infrastructure or me being a customer? How would I get started with that? Yeah, I mean, the the first thing that we would always love to do um, whenever we bring in a new client is we run an initial system and site needs analysis. So we sit down uh, with you and really define what we can possibly do, the architecture uh, with the municipality or with uh, uh, the enterprise on what data you want to collect, what report you want to collect, what area you want to do it in, what, you know, what are your needs, how many people are you looking to do this, what is your budget, you know, come up with a really a strategic implementation plan where by the end of this initial system and science analysis, you have all the data sheets you need, all the best practices, all the paperwork needed to actually integrate this technology in your current business operations. Um, you know, for example, uh, there are three different types of uh, applications you want to do. If you're a, a energy company, you have critical infrastructure you want to inspect, but you also have the perimeter you want to keep secure and monitor. We will work with you on identifying, you know, what the path, path is, uh, putting the coordinators and the actual uh, waypoints in for you, building that out, running a test sample with you, making sure that's exactly what you're looking for before we implement a full-scale operation. And I know we talked a little bit about in the beginning of the show, um, why can't I just go out, whether I'm a city or whether I'm a company, why can't I just go out and start flying my own drones? Why are there all these hurdles? Why would I even need a site to need a well, assessment? Well, if you're doing any type of operation for hire, you need your 107, part 107 license. So if you're doing it, make sure that you have a remote pilot that is certified with FA. Starting February 25th, you have to make sure you have to register all your drones within your organization and put the end number outside that's visible. Um, you got to make sure that, you know, if you're doing spraying with a drone, you can't just go out there if the drone weighs more than 55 pounds because there's other waivers and regulation. And if you're a city in a controlled airspace, I mean, there are requirements to submit flight plans to the FAA so the local air traffic controllers have situational awareness for demand aviation. So the ecosystem is very complex. Um, you really need to know what you're doing. You really need to understand uh, the type of operation uh, because you don't you don't want to mess this up. You don't want the FAA coming after you because you were breaking the law because you didn't know that you couldn't fly there or you didn't know that you couldn't have that payload on the UAV. So there's just a lot of different things in this ecosystem. So where's a good place to find information? Is it on the Aeronide website, which is A-E-R-O-N-Y-D-E? or at the small UAV coalition, or is it still kind of like in different areas, the FAA included? Well, you know, as a managed service provider, we, we look to the best way to integrate this technology for your business operations. Uh, so you can do what you do best and uh, run a streamlined operation. So for more information, yeah, you can go to our website. Uh, for more information on what the industry is looking to do, you can go to the small U. Uh, small UAV coalition. If you're looking for what the federal government has done, you can go to FAA website. Uh, the FAA also has the drone zone. Really understand the industry with a lot of time into reading what's going on. But uh, for general information, 
you can come to our website. You can send us an email. Uh, we're very helpful. We want to make sure that you're doing this operation right because one fatal crash can really stunt this industry, and that's why we're all working together to make sure that this is done in the proper and safest way. I mean, the American, the national airspace is very complex, and, you know, you want to make sure that you're doing it right from the beginning. And one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, we didn't talk about it earlier, is that you aren't actually building your own drones, which many companies do do. You don't necessarily rely on uh, building out the physical drone. Your um, intellectual property is in the avionics and in the service. We have some patents pending on the process of the command and control. We have our own avionics package that we integrate into different hardware. So we're really hardware agnostic. Um, you know, sometimes an application for farming may need a, a fixed wing, you know, for long flights. And sometimes for shorter infrastructure inspection, you may need a multi-rotor, a quadcopter. So we really look to make ourselves agnostic for the use case because you don't need a big drone unless you have a big payload. And you don't need a smaller drone unless you need a big payload. So we didn't want to be, you know, really stagnant on one piece of hardware. We wanted to make sure that, you know, we were versatile and we could use different platforms. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it uh, really compelling as a managed service because you might have clients that have already invested significantly in their drone hardware so they'd be able to um, use your avionics package instead of having to buy a whole new platform was probably cost-effective for them. Absolutely. And the biggest thing is, you know, we take care of the operations. You know, they, the client doesn't have to worry about flying, doesn't have to worry about uh, looking at the regulation, doesn't have to worry about ha adopting and hiring a new policy person to make sure that they're you know, doing everything legally. We handle that for them. And, you know, we just really look to the client and our end user to define what they're looking to get so we can make sure we can get them that data to make those informative and, uh, decisions. What are some of the exciting use cases you can think of that's coming up for the use of UAVs? I mean, close to, to our heart here, Aaron, I public safety applications. Uh, I know that within the fires, drones have been used a lot for situational awareness, for tracking the fire. Here in Florida, after hurricane season, you know, the UAV technology, that aerial informatics really helps uh, team out for logistics. You can help find people, identify true uh, infrastructure damage. Uh, I think things with search and rescue and public safety is a, it's a really great use of this technology. Um, but other ones, you know, the border is a great example. Uh, things that really have a strong line perimeter where you can put surveillance. I mean, this is at the end of the day, the technology is very similar to the cell phone. It has different sensors on it. Uh, we can connect to LTE. We can do live streaming. Uh, it's really how you handle that data and the analytics behind it. So uh, different use cases, such as what Amazon Prime Air and Florida are doing with package delivery and medical delivery is also very interesting. So, I mean, this technology is great, and I re really believe that it will transform. Edgar, I, that sounds really exciting, and I'm looking forward to other applications as well. So thanks again for being on the show today. Edgar Munoz, CEO of Aeronide. 
listening to Silicon Valley Insider. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svi.biz, especially how to get a hold of Aeronide. And don't go away because when we come back, we'll talk to Edgar about the pivot. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Uh, today's show, I was joined with Edgar Munoz, who's the CEO of Aeronide, a managed services for drones, also known as UAS or UAVs. Uh, we cover a lot of ground on how companies and municipalities should be thinking about how to adopt this technology. Uh, we're now entering into the segment we call the pivot, which is how different organizations or people have had to make adjustments, whether it's a business model, a use case, pricing or a feature. And I think what's really compelling is that as much as we've talked about Aeronite today and their managed services, that's not how they originally started. So Edgar, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Keith. So Edgar, let's talk about how Aeronite's pivoted over the last several years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, back in 2014, uh, myself and my co-founder and my CTO, Alexander Billos, uh, we were actually working on another startup where we focused on creating custom UAV platform, drone platforms. Um, in 2014, this was a time where uh, regulation is starting to develop for the commercial sector, but the Part 107 licensing wasn't defined yet. Um, you know, there was no talk about the national airspace or in the integration of flight plan or anything in that nature. And, you know, the early adopters of this technology were just really interested in doing one-off type of application. So, you know, we had the opportunity to really work different use cases, you know, doing 3D point cloud on the cell tower, a microsprain solution uh, for brush killing, and even some different types of DOD applications. And we come to find that as we went and did these different one-off pilot cases, that most of the time there was two types of application that the, the drone was doing. And one time it is either collecting some type of data, whether it's dynamic and live or static where you do post analysis or some type of delivery, uh, whether it's the packages that Amazon trying to do or, um, you know, transporting blood uh, like Zipline does in Africa. We, we saw that those were really the good use cases and it really hit us that, you know, the UAV is really just a tool. You know, at that time, everyone was focused on the on the hardware and focused on differentiating themselves within the hardware. But we saw the bigger picture. You know, we saw it as that ubiquitous tool that can do these applications for these different agencies. And that's when we really took it from the ground level of working with the hardware to the thirty thousand view as a managed service provider that has our own. We have our own fleet management software, a user interface where our, you know, our clients can actually look and monitor and supervise their missions um, and really be agnostic to the hardware rather than being whole to the hardware. You know, that was a really big pivot for us where we realized, you know, these, these different governments, these different agencies, these different uh, businesses don't need 
one type of drone, they need the drone for the solution or the various drones for the different types of applications. And, you know, we wanted to really have a turnkey and tailored solution that actually benefited our clients rather than hurt them by having them, you know, purchase a drone. That's why we, we do the actual, uh, application ourselves. And, and I can see how it could be a benefit, not just your customers, because they get the flexibility, but then also, as many of your competition has learned, um, the investment in physical hardware, if you're developing the platform as well, is extremely expensive and not yeah. always successful. Yeah. And then also supply chains play a part in it. So if it does, if you do start scaling and you start getting a lot of orders, you have to make sure that your pipeline and supply chains are set up. And yeah, it's, it's really complicated. And in the aviation world, you have huge manufacturers already to this date that's been making hardware for the last hundred years. And, you know, they, they can adopt this as quickly as you could, you know, and even better. So, you know, we really stepped back from the hardware game and looked at that how can we service this better for our clients? You know, how can we get the data that they actually need? Or, you know, do the application that actually saves them money, saves a life, or do something in that benefit. So, so because this is still relatively a new area, uh, UAV or drones as a service, are you still maintaining nimbleness that you can pivot again if you need to? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, a year ago, we were really focusing just on that command and control. And then when the FAA re- released back in May of 2018 a beta for the industry to join them on this Lance initiative, you know, we wanted to be play a part in that because, you know, at the end of the day, it's about the safe integration of this technology in a low altitude. Uh, whether that's in a controlled airspace or not, uh, you have to make sure that these different entities can communicate with each other. You have to make sure that uh, uh, there's, there's some type of transparency behind the identification and the use cases and the purpose of the aircraft. Uh, I mean, there's the players at the federal level, there's the industry players, and then there's the general public. So, uh, yeah, we're in the early stages in, uh, of this industry still, uh, five years later. But... Every year, it's defining more and more, and it's growing very, very rapidly. So, Edgar, I just want to thank you again for being on today's show. It's really exciting what you and the team at Aeronite are doing. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I I had a great time. And just because we covered so much ground today, we talked about what drones of the service are, how to get engaged. I know there's going to be a lot of follow-up. Email us info at svn.biz to find out more. You can find us on our Facebook page, Silicon Valley Insider. You can find me on LinkedIn, Keith Koo. Twitter, SVI underscore Keith. And I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's one 888 828-7846, 888-828-SVIN.